Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. Southern Sports Today proudly presents The Chuck Oliver Show. It's an inside look at everything college football. Now live from Atlanta, Georgia, it's time to talk college football with the reigning king of college football, Chuck Oliver, on Southern Sports Today. Ohio, the latest state where the fun police have decided enough. And they're probably right. Chuck Oliver show on a Monday. I hope everybody's just having a glorious day. And I mean that. Start to your week, work week, whatever. We're talking college football is what we do. Two hours a day, done it since the beginning of the 14 season. Thank you for the blessing. Ohio! Latest state where the fun police have said no more. If you look at today's headlines you will see that the state of ohio has now become the one two three 25th holy smokes 25th in which the state gaming regulators have taken some degree of banning betting on individual ncaa player props What I am talking about for most of us involves Marvin Harrison Jr. Over under five and a half catches Saturday. Marvin Harrison Jr. Over under 89 and a half yards receiving. Whatever the numbers are. Individual NCAA player props. Now props, that's short for propositions. It is an imagined thing that is not... You have a side... What side? Ohio State or Michigan? You have a total, Ohio State and Michigan. You have propositions, which are, hey, I propose this number that's not about the final score, really. This scenario, this scene, this possibility, the first player to score a touchdown in the Super Bowl. That's a prop bet, a proposition. And that is what has turned fantasy sports really on its ears. Over the last five years, let me go back, I mean, 20 years ago, 25 years ago, 30 years ago, I became serious. Fantasy, rotisserie, whatever you want to call it, baseball and football. I even played NBA basketball with USA Today one year, and I won the whole dang thing. I got a certificate on the wall from the 2000 NBA playoffs, like I won the whole thing in NBA fantasy sports. Um, It was a new contest, and I figured out what the angle is, and some other people did too. You didn't need to have the best players because you got to pick a roster before the playoffs of anybody. Well, you got to replace a player who was on a team that got eliminated. Most Most of the other contestants just picked all the best players and then realized about two rounds in, oh my gosh, I'm only starting six guys instead of ten. I tried to pick some bench and roll players from the two teams that would reach the championship. And so I just had regulars to, you know, to plug in. I won the thing. Played all sports. The idea 
of giving somebody $250 in August, having a draft, and then waiting until February to get money? It's absurd. I live in a state where gambling's not even legal. Do you know what I did every Sunday during the NFL season? Like, during a timeout in the fourth quarter, I would look on my phone and say, do I think Cordero Patterson will have more than one and a half carries over the final 8.53 of this game? I'm sitting in a state where you couldn't buy alcohol at all on Sundays until I'm like, restaurant? Uh Uh-uh. At a store? Are you out of your mind? I was a freshman in college. We went to Mardi Gras. There was a convenience store. I saw somebody on 7 a.m. on a Sunday morning buying a case. I was like, what? It's like, it's, it's New Orleans, dude. Um, so that's the st- I can gamble in my state on my phone anytime I want. And you know what I gamble on mostly? Cordell Patterson over or under one and a half carries over the final few minutes of this game. Or Jalen Milrow. Over 254 and a half yards combined rushing and passing in the national uh, semifinal game. That's all I bet. And you know where I make the most money? I'm telling you, I made a profit this past season. Is halftime. You get a lot of information. The company has to evaluate all of this on the fly as it's happening. There's an opportunity if you watch the first half of a game and you see what's going on and the slight injury and this, that, and the third. It's all on TV. It's 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 legal. That's how that's the most fun. Ohio has become the 25th state to say no more of that type of fun. The Ohio Casino Control Commission on Friday afternoon granted a request by the NCAA to prohibit wagering on prop bets involving collegiate athletes. Now, as an aside, this would still allow the Alabama head baseball coach to change his starting pitcher, text someone at a casino in Indiana, and have that individual try to place $15,000 on a midweek game in college baseball. If you've ever heard the phrase, it's in red or there's a circle, that means there's a limit. And depending on where you're playing, like if it's in red or that's the, the number's four and a half and it's in a circle, that means like $300, $500, $1,000 limit, something like that. Most college baseball games, because there's so many of them and the lines can't be sharp for everything, most of them are in a circle. Do try to bet 15 grand. So that's not addressed by this, but over under four and a half strikeouts for the starting pitcher Okay, and we're drilling down into what the issue is. The NCAA requested this of Ohio, and the state's gaming commission said right on. They have given any in-state digital or storefront sportsbook until March 1st to comply this is, well, why did they, why did the NCAA petition Ohio? Because Ohio became the latest state, the end of 2023. Ohio passed a law that's not that the NCAA says, oh my gosh, all the Buckeyes, we got an issue. It's kind of the opposite. The state of Ohio passed a law at the end of last year that aims to ban ban anyone who threatens athletes with violence or harm 
from participating in sports gaming in the state. And that means that if you have interactions with players and you have any sort of aggression, any sort of anything, then you can be going basically the blacklist. Facial recognition software, all that stuff, and you're banned. You're out. So Ohio passed this law. Governor signed it. NCAA saw that come across the ticker and said, they're next. So not only did the NCAA president, Charlie Baker, sign this statement of joy on Friday, so did the governor of Ohio, Mike DeWine, and the Ohio Gaming Control, basically, executive director, Matt Schuler. Everybody, you had the NCAA, Ohio governor, and the gambling dude, all agree on something. So that's Ohio, and they're now the 25th. When I say they're probably right, it's actually beyond probably. Individual NCAA player props are as easy a wager to corrupt as exist in sports betting. And corrupt means even inside information. Even like what we have heard is Kayshawn Butte. I got this punk. I've seen him on film. I know I'm going off Saturday. And then he doesn't. That that means you have corrupted it. It's beyond pop, uh, probably. There is a pretty good chance we should enjoy NCAA player props while we can. Part of this is a result of a study among Power 5 athletic departments, and there's now 130-something of them. Hey, find me a number, please. I said it was 130, and then it was 31. Now it's 33, and it may actually be more than 33. I saw a number last week, like 36, 37. Um, 27%, and that, that's Division One. I, I was talking, 27% of Power 5 schools responded that they have had a gambling-related issue, either a player wagering or being harassed, versus 3% in 2019 before all the governors came off society. Essentially, every Saturday morning, we've looked at the daily fantasy numbers for college football, and what have you thought? That'd be so easy to fix. And yeah, it wasn't just me and you thinking that. It was the NCAA. It was the Gaming Commission in Ohio. It was the governor. It was the player. Like, you and I, we don't have this special brain that only our gray matter went there. And then most of us probably tacked on, and it wouldn't even change the outcome of who won or lost the game. I am going to pick a completely unrelated example i i literally spun the wheel of any college football game that took place in the state of ohio last year so all of this is just it's like historical fiction none of this happened except it all happened <laughs> varying the wager if we go back and look at college football standings last year, Kent State was having a very good not uh, very not good season. Kent State in 2024, remember their head coach had found a little bit of quick success and then he lit out for Colorado. Week three, Kent State beats Central Connecticut. That's the Blue Devils. They don't play actual like 
Power Five or a group of five football. They play something else. That day, Kent State beat Central Connecticut 38-10. to Until their final week contest versus Northern Illinois, they didn't win again. They didn't win before. They didn't win after. Going into the season finale against Northern Illinois, a team that needed to win to get to a bowl, a team that was way better regardless, a team that was favored by 20 and a half points. Going into the season finale, Kent State's 1 and 10. Northern Illinois is 5 and 6 and pretty desperate. Kent State, as part of the reason they're not having a good season, is they're not good on the offensive line, and they've had three quarterbacks get hurt or benched, and they're down to four. Devin Kargman. Devin Kargman was not a very big recruit the year before. Kent State had six three-star recruits in the previous class. He was not one of them. He's a sophomore who played a little bit as a freshman. And going into the season finale, Devin Kargman on the season was 5 of 12 for 52 yards, no touchdowns or interceptions. He had taken three sacks. Devin Kargman, by some stretch, the third or fourth quarterback in the program, and a sophomore with no meaningful playing experience. The final week of the season against a team that's on the verge of a bowl game, they say, Devin, you're the starter. His over-under passing yards that day, 188.5. Now, they were supposed to lose, and they did. And Devin Kargman could have said, I'm taking the collar on this one, man. I'm betting under, and we stink anyway, and we're going to lose, and so what's it matter? Now, Devin Kargman threw for 253, two touchdowns and no picks. He played his tail off that day. This is what we're talking about, though. It's a game that could not be further off the radar, that one team is supposed to lose, and the particular situation of a kid standing out for a poor performance to go under the daily total so that his favorite uncle can hit his prize picks play? Folks, that's the blueprint of it. Devin chose Devin chose the light, not the dark. They, De, ain't everybody making the same choice Devin did. Now, they still lost. And they still lost by double digits. And Northern Illinois still got the sixth win and got to go to a bowl. God bless the Huskies. Devin played his tail off. Not every kid has. And we now know that. Some of them have gone the other way. Like I said with Butte, oh, I got this punk. And then you don't. The point is, it's corrupted. So... When we see headlines like this, state stepping in, oh, the government, she does like to put her nose in things, doesn't she? In this case, what they're describing and what they're trying to safeguard against, they're probably right. It really is set up, folks. Um, There are, and I just, I picked one game and found an example. There's 50 examples in any game we can pick. You can pick if the Ole Miss linebacker has more than four and a half tackles on a day. So he gets to four, and by golly, that ankle, it just springs up. And you know what? We're on the road playing in Athens anyway, and it's the fourth quarter, and we're down by 20. So if I play the rest, you know, I'm just – it's there. Literally, there are dozens of examples every single game that comes up on the entire schedule. It won't 
really affect the outcome anyway. Now, what about pros? Well, here's the difference if you're thinking name image. In the pro, they get paid now. So the college kids wouldn't know some college kids get some money. Every guy in the NFL gets a lot of money. So there you go. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Come back, jump into it next. More college football talk with the king of college football. It's the Chuck Oliver Show on Southern Sports Today. It is Monday on Chuck Oliver Show. and Shane Beamer, he found a different sort of way to make the budget balance. Or an extra little bonus. Man, we can have a pizza party. Um... He's going to get, my understanding, and I'm not a contract attorney, he, my understanding is he's about to get $450,000 for the program, at least, will just fall out of the sky. Somebody's going to fly a helicopter over Columbia, South Carolina, the athletic director's office, and just push four hundred and fifty grand out onto Ray Tanner's desk. Is he still the AD? Onto Ray Tanner's desk. The rub, he doesn't have a wide receivers coach now, I don't think. Kirby Smart making a couple of hires. This name was mentioned because two things. He's a recruiter, and he's coached wide receivers a bunch. But James Coley had been in Columbia long enough to, like, stay in the extended stay. I don't even know if he got one of those executive apartments. Well, that was too soon. And now, apparently, he's being hired by Kirby, and Kirby's also going down the street to hire a guy. So, uh, James Coley was a name that was mentioned just because it made sense. Um, and I'm supposed to say, but I never thought he'd leave after 45 days. 45 days. Staying 45 days at South Carolina's receivers coach compared to what Sean Elliott just did and then leaving after 45 days. Folks, that is so far down the list of current day indiscretions. It won't even register. He's a good recruiter, folks. That's the reputation, and it's earned, and people want him. Um, he's replaceable, and you get almost half a million dollars. Hey, how's your Monday? Nobody paid $450,000 to hire you away, I know, but um, we, we appreciate you anyway. Yeah, I mean, look, the, the reality on Coley is that uh, don't ever let him call your plays because he's not good at that, but he does have a rep for being a pretty good recruiter. It's interesting to me, though, Chuck, this is the second time now that something like this Really high profile has happened with Beamer. You remember Mike Bobo pulled this crap on him. He did. His first month on the job, and Beamer was livid about that one. I mean, genuinely livid because he had stuck his neck out for Mike Bobo. Mike Bobo had been the OC for the final year of Muschamp, had been Muschamp's kind of last gasp, sort of, hey, I'm going to bring in somebody who is a guy I trust, who's a buddy of mine. And so he brought in Bobo. Without getting into everything about the 2020 Gamecock season, Bobo had made some moves that uh, some fans were not real enthusiastic about, particularly bringing in his quarterback from Colorado State with him as as sort of a package deal. And so Beamer stuck his neck out and said, you know what, given how effective the pin-pull run game was that year with Kevin Harris, I'll stick with that. We'll try and integrate some of what I'm bringing from Oklahoma with me into what Bobo does. But he put himself out there, and then a month later, Bobo comes around looking for more money. Like, hey, you know, Auburn's going to make me a deal. And uh, the the lack of loyalty was not appreciated at all. And so 
for this to happen again. You're right. They get the buyout money. But, uh, man, that's I – just, I just know for a guy in Shane Beamer who came up in the coaching community and, and everything else, this idea that your word means at least a little something, I guarantee you he's really hacked off right now, and I don't blame him. Yeah, I, I'm sure if you drop that in a fishbowl um, – and this is not my – my uh, my program, my you know battle to wage whatever. He just took a team's head coach who was looking to leave. Like he didn't kidnap Sean Elliott. He didn't you know acquire Sean Elliott and trade against Sean Elliott's will. Uh, Sean Elliott didn't done everything except take out ads. But you did just hire somebody else's coach three practices into spring. Um, so that's, again, I'm saying that from the standpoint of, I think in today's environment, it's either all crappy or crappy has become so normal that we are probably needing to become desensitized to it. Do you agree or disagree? I mean, I understand what you're saying, Chuck, but I guess my thing is when, when someone says, I'm in for the next year, I will, I will take this job and I will take you out of the market. The other candidates, whoever they might have been, that you were considering, you're going to tell them, no, we've got our guy. They're going to either stay where they are or possibly take other jobs. When you do that for a year, I think you sort of owe it at that point to the person you did that with to say, I'm sticking around. In the case of Elliot, it was a combination of, one, a guy returning to his family. It was a really weird situation where you had a guy who was a head coach in Atlanta, but his entire family was still in Columbia. And it all happened within a week. I just think, look, Coley doesn't care. Coley will never need to work for Shane Beamer again, and he knows he wouldn't get the chance if he did want to. But I just know, knowing Shane a little bit, this one's going to be a rock in the shoe for a while. Oh, I'm sure. And, you know, part of it comes from, I'm sure, the household he was raised in with, like, old school coaching, my word is oak. Um, and that's not what it is anymore. In fact, the the contract isn't even of much value anymore, really. In today's fast-paced world, your business deserves banking solutions that are as dynamic and cost-effective as you are. Solutions like free business checking from LGE Community Credit Union, free online and mobile banking, no minimum balance required, plus no maintenance fees and dividends on your balance. At LGE, we're a smarter way to bank. See what's possible for your business at lgeccu.org. No monthly maintenance fees. Other service fees such as NSF, overdraft, wire, and stop payment fees still apply. Not all businesses will qualify. Membership eligibility and base savings account that keeps a $5 minimum balance required. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. Now back to Southern Sports Today and the Chuck Oliver Show. Kirby needed a couple of coaches, and I believe he's got a couple of coaches. Reports are that Kirby has opened the Rolodex and brought James Coley from South Carolina as the receivers coach there. Brought the receivers coach from South Carolina to Athens. It's a re 
uh, trip to Athens for James Coley. He was on Kirby's first staff in 16, also has gone down to Georgia Tech, hired a coach, uh, Josh Crawford, who had been wide receivers coach at Tech and hired him to be running backs coach. Um, it's not flying the space shuttle, but but he hasn't done it before, so um, it matters. Just it's just things to wonder about. Want to welcome on right now, talk all things Georgia senior editor, Dog Central's Graham Coffee. What's up, friend? How you doing? I'm doing well, Chuck. How are you this morning? No, nothing but good. Let's talk about Kirby and his new hires. Uh, are they official? Josh Crawford from Georgia Tech will be the running backs coach, and James Coley is returning to Athens to coach receivers. Yeah, Coley seems official. You know, I'm sure there's still some things to maybe sign or whatever, but that, that seems very much done to me. Uh, Crawford appears to be imminent. I, I think Kirby actually might be on vacation, so I'm not even sure if he's met with Crawford face-to-face yet, but it seems like that is the way this is trending. Uh, so, you know, I, I would be surprised if, if that doesn't get done. Dung Dogs, Graham Coffey, again, senior editor of the Players' Lounge, Georgia. Um, let's talk about Josh Crawford. Um in particular, I said he had not coached coach running backs before. I don't think he had. Uh, what is the thought on Josh Crawford as far as him being the hire, and does that really matter? Well, I think he played running back in college. Uh, I know he's a Morehouse grad, so I, that helps. Uh, you know, you're, you're talking about a guy who was an offensive assistant across lots of the best high school programs in Georgia for a decade. Yep. You know, I – I'm sure he understands, you know, the, the position of the running back in the offense and all that. I, you know, I mean, you saw Brian McClendon. Uh, he was a running back's coach at Georgia at one point, ended up a receiver's coach later. So I don't think it's a, a huge concern, um, it's especially at, at Georgia with some of the season guys they have on staff. I'm, I'm sure they'll, they'll get it figured out. Uh, but, you know, I, I think you hire him for his relationships in state and his recruiting ability, right? Yeah, it's the same thing, and we talk all the time that there, those are the two positions, wide receiver and running back, that um, a lot of times there are guys who will hire, uh, head coaches who will hire uh, strictly recruiters to those spots. Um, so that is what we're, we're dealing with with, uh, with Georgia right now. Uh, all right, Graham, uh, let's talk about Del McGee specifically, just the last word as he is now out the door. Anything about him that is particularly difficult to replace? I know he's a lead as a recruiter, um, and Kirby obviously has brought recruiters in, but anything specifically about Dell? I mean, I think Dell was just this incredibly calming influence on that staff and on the players. Like, you, you talk about just relationships and uh, the, you know, as, as cliche as it sounds, like coaching people instead of players. Del McGee was that guy, you know, I mean, he, he spent uh, nearly a decade at Carver Columbus high school and worked in some tough areas and, you know, really, really knew how to reach some of those kids and, you know, help them kind of get where they needed to be in the classroom and kind of smooth things over at times when maybe guys wanted to transfer or something like that. So I, I believe that's what you're replacing with Crawford and, Dell had all these relationships across Georgia, and I think Dell being on staff, you know, Kirby is the son of a Georgia high school coach, but he wasn't a Georgia high school coach himself. And I think that having a guy like Dell on staff who sort of led this credibility to all of the things that were going on in the Georgia program was really helpful in recruiting at times. And I, I think that they're hoping 
Crawford's high school experience can kind of uh, come in and do some of the same things and create the same level of trust between UGA and the high school programs in the state. Couple more minutes, Graham Coffey, senior editor of the Players Lounge, Georgia. Also, if you're online at dogcentral.com, that's Graham's deal, too. Uh, all right, let's uh, talk on field, secondary. Uh, start at safety. Tell me who the two starters will be for the 12 games and then go out the corner. Ooh. All right. Uh, obviously, Malachi Starks is going to be one of your starters at safety. I, I think by the end of the year, you're going to see K.J. Bolden back there. I think he's too good not to play. Uh, sounds like just from a mental side of things, which is really always the question with these young guys, that he's you know, moving in the right direction. Yep. Spring practice is going to be big for him, though. Um, if it's not him, then you know, I, I guess it's a Ja'Cory Thomas or David Daniel, one of those guys. But Bolden's got the big ceiling, and you want him playing by the time you get to, I think, your, you know, your swing games and that schedule on the road. Uh, corner, you know, we – Man, there's so much talent in that room. Um, I mean, Ellis Robinson was a, a just a very, very impressive guy during bowl practice. Uh, you know, you, you kind of look at what's going on there. There's so much talent. I, I think Dalen Everett, you know, holds on to one of those jobs, but it is going to be really interesting to see which of the former, you know, multiple five-star guys at corner ends up across from him. And I think you're going to actually maybe see Georgia play more than one guy. My favorite truthfully is, is Daniel Harris. We saw some of them in the orange bowl. Yeah. They don't make a lot of guys that are six, three with a six, six person wingspan that can, you know, run with boundary receivers in the sec. And he is one of them. So, um, the, the interesting part is what happens at that star kind of slot corner position. Uh, I think they would like Jonel Aguero to take that job, but you've got Julian Humphrey on your roster still who really looked good uh, in that Missouri game last year before some injuries kind of slowed up his season. Like they have more guys that, you know, probably need snaps than they have positions to play him in. So it'll be very interesting to see how that shakes out. And last thing I want to ask you about is I saw when A.J. Harris got in the portal and there was another corner that got in the portal, and then I started hearing all kinds of names. All the corners are going to portal out. Um, you mentioned Daniel Harris and Julian Humphrey. Did they both jump in the portal or were about to or thinking about it, but they're both in the program, and you mentioned both of them, one at star, one at corner. Um, the coaches had to re-recruit them. I mean, that's the classic story. Talk about those two kids individually, please. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you're, you're correct. There was both of those guys at different points in times uh, in the month of December and early January put out tweets saying, I am going to enter the transfer portal. Georgia was able to intervene before either of them ever filled out the paperwork to officially enter the portal. So they, they did a very good job of kind of swooping in there. Uh, Humphrey was a five-star recruit, right? I mean, Georgia was able to flip him. Uh, from Florida when Dan Mullen got fired there. He was kind of part of what would have been Mullen's last full class at UF, and he was the highest-rated recruit uh, in that class when, when Georgia was able to swing him over. Like, he's a Houston kid, you know, national recruit. And the thing that I think has been really interesting about him is that uh, at all those All-American Bowls and, you know, different all-star games for high school, he's a guy that looks like he could play – any position in the secondary. He has good enough hips and, and good enough, you know, size to go play safety. Uh, I think Georgia would like to see him a little more physical with his tackling, a little bit more, you know, sound with his tackling before 
they put him somewhere kind of in the middle of the defense. I think that's why you've seen him sort of come up as a boundary corner. And then Daniel Harris, you know, uh, Georgia's last recruiting class, the 2023 class, they sign a couple of five-star corners. They've got uh, Galen Everett. They have Ja'Cory. Uh, I, I forget. Oh, the there was a, a kid from, from Florida who I can't even remember anymore who, who, who transferred out of the program already. Uh, but, you know, there, there's all these guys, and he's kind of the, the four-star that's, that's the least highest ranked of any of them. He might end up having the best tools of, of all the guys they brought in in that class. Like, he is a legit 6'3", like we talked about. I mean, he can run. And basically it came down to, you know, he was talking about transferring prior to the Orange Bowl and felt like he wasn't going to get snapped at Georgia. And all of a sudden, he's not transferring anymore, and he's playing, you know, kind of with the starters in the Orange Bowl and was rotating a lot in that game. And so it seems to me like Georgia got to a place with him where they could either play him or lose him, and they decided to play him. And honestly, historically speaking, a lot of times Kirby says, okay, go on down the road in those situations. So I think they, they really, really like his talent and his ceiling. Last thing, and this is off-field, just um, in general, do you know, does Georgia pay recruits or do they pay guys who are on the roster and now we can make some deals? Because there are two competing philosophies here about are we paying grown men or are we paying high school seniors? Georgia pays their stars. You know, I had a conversation with, with someone, you know, close to the program during the, the kind of end of the recruiting cycle, and I was like, you know, where is all the NIL money going, right? Like, because at that point in time, it looked like they, you know, they weren't going to land KJ Bolden and, and some of that. And that was my question. And the answer was, we got to pay our stars. You know, there was talk of Michael Williams maybe leaving the program at one point. That didn't happen. You know, I think Georgia is uh, more concerned with retention than accumulation. And Georgia, you know, it. I think, one in the hand is worth two in the bush, right? If, yep. if you've got guys that you know you can play snaps and that you can trust, they're going to definitely put their NIL resources there, and especially to, to the players that are doing things the right way. Um, Georgia's had guys that have kind of, you know, tried to leverage them from an NIL standpoint who have been in the program for a year or so, and they'll let those guys walk before they're going to, you know, spend a bunch of money to not take a, a PR hit or whatever you want to call it on social media about people, you know, tweeting about a former five-star transferring. Like, everybody in that program is a former blue-chip recruit. You're going to lose some of them. But I think the key for them right now is let's get these guys into the program, and if we get a year of evaluating them, I think they feel pretty good that they're going to they're gonna choose to keep the right ones and they're going to let some go, but they're going to get the best out of that. 25-man to 30-man class that they got on campus. Yeah, Dylan Riola would have been a really expensive second, third, or fourth-team quarterback. Ain't no doubt about he that. He would. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Same with the kid from UNLV that was committed for five minutes. Absolutely. Graham, I appreciate the insight. It's fantastic stuff. Folks, go see him on Twitter. Graham Coffee DC. That's dogcentral.com. That's his deal. He's also senior editor, Players Lounge, Georgia. Thank you, Graham. Thank you, Chuck. All right, it's good information, man. Again, uh, the Players Lounge, Georgia, Graham Coffee there. So I always, I'm, I'm interested. Are we paying high school kids? Or are we paying someone who has been on a college campus? My understanding was, now I say my understanding because I'm not in the meeting room, but I think most people have an understanding because we're able to read and it's interesting to us and we dig down and then we see comments from I don't know, like Nick Saban. 
that my understanding is that Alabama, their philosophy was that we're, our players will be as rewarded as any players in college football. Our players will absolutely reap the benefits of name, image, likeness. High school seniors, that's not really what we're going to do at Alabama. Now, you have Tennessee talking to this high school 17-year-old five-star kid going, oh, well, we do pay high school players. And Nico's like, racky top. There he is. So you got to pay him that first year, Dylan Rayola, when you know he's not going to play Dylan Rayola. Nebraska's like, not only can you play, but maybe they desperately need improved quarterback. You see where all this goes, folks. So it's uh it's a budget and you have to we had somebody on last week talking about how running backs and quarterbacks were the two most overpriced per production but overpriced high school uh prospects coming i'm like this we have a we have a sliding scale now we have an algorithm to tell us which positions to really invest our name image likeness in when it comes to high school seniors so that is the reality um you know at one point college freshmen couldn't play so now high school seniors can make millions uh we move on it's okay we're done uh, gonna break right now come back we will wrap up our one next King of college football, no matter where you go, with a new Southern Sports Today app. Catch the best college football conversation in the South everywhere with the SST live stream and daily podcast. Downloaded now at the App Store and the Google Play Store. Now more of the best college football talk in the country. It's the Chuck Oliver Show. I think it's big for me being uh, at the age I am and in the position I am right now to have those game reps and kind of get that beneath me, you know, have that, that one bad game and kind of flush it flush it away and, um, and learn from it, um, whether it's being more decisive in my game or, or playing fast or pushing the tempo of our offense or just being a leader in general. There's all things I need to work on this offseason. Th- SEC quarterback Jackson Arnold. If we go back just a year ago, he's the number one QB in the entire class. And what about Arch Manning? Jackson Arnold was the number one quarterback in the class. And top five or top three, what like he elite prospect, like overall, every position, everywhere, he's that guy. And Dylan Gabriel said, I'm out and after the regular season. So Alamo Bowl in steps Jackson Arnold and a whole bunch of yards, some touchdowns, some picks, but a whole bunch of yards and some touchdowns with picks. And then this is, remember Jeff Levy, because Levy not only, I said Dylan Gabriel left, Jeff Levy left, and Dylan Gabriel said, yeah, me too. So now you have a new quarterback, you have new coordinators, and you have a brand-new conference, and it's not like any other conference. It's the conference. That Oklahoma program, if you go back to the old Big 8, fantastic football conference, especially at the top with Oklahoma and Nebraska. And occasionally, if you go back and look at, like, Oklahoma State, most people know about in the 80s. That guy named Terry Miller back in the 70s as well. They had their moments. They did. 
Uh, if you look at Missouri from time to time, they had their mo- – not many other teams had their moments. So, I think there was a Kansas team in, what, 68? Played in the Orange Bowl. So, they had that, – that John Riggins was on that team. But it wasn't anything consistent. That was Oklahoma, Nebraska, and great national championships every year. And so, then everybody else in Oklahoma put together a resume, man, of the Big Eight. And then that conference kind of went away, and they went to the Big 12 and started doing sort of the same thing. And then in very, very recent seasons, they continue to score a lot, but they just haven't been nearly at Oklahoma's standards. And Oklahoma standards, traditionally, through these other conferences, Oklahoma standards have been conference championships at the very least. January 1st bowls, which there used to be like four of them, and so it meant something when you go to the Orange Bowl, for instance. But more importantly, that's a national championship program. That's a you know conference championship program. Who is that? We know comp, uh, programs that are kind of at that level. They're a conference championship level program. Oklahoma's supposed to be bigger, and it just got a whole lot harder, and they have a new quarterback who's never really played a whole lot in college at least, and he knows what he's doing, just never done it. Two new coordinators who they know what they're doing. They've never done it with Jackson Arnold. And they're in the SEC now, and they have one of the country's like toughest schedule. You can pair them to anybody, and it's just not going to be a, an easy row for Venables and everybody out in Norman. So, hey, how's a Monday? Well, if you're Bienemy, I guess it's an okay Monday, Chuck, because he's got a gig. Bienemy uh, back in college football joins UCLA's staff as associate head coach and offensive coordinator. That's of course the new staff that Deshaun Foster is putting together. It's a two-year deal reportedly for him. And I've seen a lot of people, Chuck, that have been chiming in on this with, well, this is good. Now we're going to get to see what kind of a coach he really is. Um, Not really. (laughs) Not really. We've already seen Eric Bieniemy be a college offensive coordinator. There's a lot of people who I, I guess didn't remember this. As a Colorado fan, I wish I didn't remember this. But Back in 2011-2012, they put together in Boulder the we're going back to the good old days staff. We're bringing back all the guys from the, the McCartney era, and it's going to be great. And so you had head coach John Embry, who before that had been the tight ends coach for Washington. And who did he bring in with him? He brought in his offensive coordinator, another great former buff, Eric Bieniemy, who had been most recently the running backs coach for the Vikings, and it was an absolute disaster. Now, do I think it was an absolute disaster because of Eric Bieniemy? Not really. Uh, Embry had no idea what he was doing as a head coach. Never got a sniff before that. Will never get a sniff the rest of his life to be a head coach anywhere else. Um, it was a, it was just a terrible idea. A terrible idea executed really poorly. But I just think this idea that we're going to find out anything about how Eric Bieniemy would have been or would not have been as an NFL head coach, based on how he does taking over in Westwood after Chip Kelly leaves, basically the worst recruiting class the school's ever had coming in and going to the Big Ten, that, well, if next year Eric Bieniemy's not lighting it up with the Bruins, that means the NFL never hiring him. The two things have anything to do with each other? I sure hope people are smarter than that, but I doubt they are. I think it's a really good hire for Deshaun Foster in that 
veteran, older guy who's done it on any level, like that's where he's at. Now, you're correct, Heath. I mean, this is the same thing, though, that, you know, Russell Wilson, would you agree? For somebody in the NFL, there's probably a half a dozen teams. He's an immense upgrade. His own team has said, we'll take an $85 million hit just to get rid of you. Um, Eric Bieniemy, the thought about what was next for him, this this wasn't it. OC in college for a first-time ever head coach was not what we all thought was next for Bieniemy four or five years ago. And I remember hearing, yeah, but he's working for Andy Reid, so how much is really him? And so he had a hard time. He had to go find a job somewhere else, basically, to get out from underneath the shadow. And um, this is where he sits. Yeah, I mean, he spends one year with Washington, and obviously he's trying to make things work with Sam Howell, a fifth-round, second-year player as a quarterback, a bad team, a team everybody knew was probably going to fire Rivera after the year because yeah. they were making an ownership change. And unless you really do well, new owner typically means, hey, I want to I want to shake things up a little bit. Now, look, he, he worked at UCLA for three years in the 2000s. It's not a terrible fit. It's just, again, one has nothing to do with the other. We'll see how he does. I hope he does great, but one has nothing to do with the other. Yeah, you dropped this situation into a UCLA fishbowl and looks pretty good. It just is a stark, stark contrast to what we were expecting from Eric Bieniemy earlier. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. A lifetime of hard work, children laughing in the kitchen, family photos on a restaurant wall, a legacy that lives on. It all comes from the power of a conversation, like the one Tommy Hall had with First Horizon Bank about taking over his father's Charleston-based restaurant business. Now the table is set for a whole new generation. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Tommy. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. The fan is ready for brave season. Are you? 3-1 smoked high in the air, deep center field, and heading for the horizon. A home run by Olsen. We're streaming every game of the Braves 2024 season free on the 680 The Fan app. So make sure you download it now and don't miss a pitch of the Braves this season.